The blast from our past network. This week on Talking Back, Tim learns to use a urinal? Talking Back. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim. With me today in studio, co-host Dean. That's you. Oh, me. That's oh, your cue that's, to say something. Cue. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, hi. Good, good. I'm doing good. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm, I'm ready for uh, class to be in session. Ooh, I like what you did there. Thank you. Um, that's why I'm here. That's why you pay me the big bucks. That's right. That's why I pay you something. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Still waiting on the first check. Me too. Well, we're back for another week. Uh, this week we're doing comics. Yeah, I love we comics. love the comic weeks. Love comics, hey? yeah. yeah. We also love movies and oh yeah, 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 video games and more. But we really love comics. Yeah, and movies. Yeah, and other things, but comics. Yeah, oh, comics. Yeah. That's why we're doing a comic today. And I'm really excited because this is one that I've been waiting for. This is your jam. This is this is my yeah one of my jams. I have a few jams, but this is a jam from my guy. It's a jam from your guy. Jam, jam from my guy. So my guy's done a few jams that are my favorite, and this is one of them, and I'm excited to talk about it. It is Deadly Class. Yeah. Now, we're going to cover volume one this episode. Right. And we're going to try to do the rest of the volumes um, in a bit of an order. Like maybe we were thinking maybe every month we could try to release another volume of this so we stay a little bit consistent with it. We'll see how that goes. So what, what's your background with this with this book? Um, I got the first issue when it came out. I actually did some sort of like YouTube video review of it because I was working for uh, Nothing But Comics website at that time. What? Yeah. Do not go to Nothing Don't... But Comics right now because someone had, we let the uh, URL elapse and oh. s- somebody bought it and oh, now okay. it's like um, Superhero Slots or something like that. Oh, <laughs> um, Superhero super- Sluts? <laughs> nope, nope superhero themed slots okay um but i wouldn't follow those links if you're really into slots i wouldn't really click on those links i'm not sure they're actually it's like all our content but then they have these slot machines slot machine links weird i wouldn't click on those i'm I'm gonna go there but i think also all of our listeners should look up this video on youtube that dean did that sounds incredible i feel like it's horrible i haven't watched it um i feel like i'm really twitchy on it i haven't done a lot of uh on camera stuff sure uh, anyways, uh, that sounds that sounds watchable. Um, I really loved it. Um, I, I actually, when I did the the video, I had this whiteboard in the background that I wrote, "Don't let the bad voice win." Okay, and just behind me, so I thought that was really cool, cool. to have that behind me while Neat. I was doing it. Yeah, a little like Easter egg on your yeah, video. Yeah, yeah, a little good, Easter good egg job. for everyone who's read it before. Killer, yeah. killer one. Anyways, killer one uh, yeah, Rick Remender. Uh, sorry, spoilers if you didn't, you didn't get. No, there go yet. ahead. Okay. I'll go ahead. No, I didn't. But that's uh, Rick Remender is also my guy. Uh, I just every book he writes super like clicks with me. I'm yeah. just so into it. Um, and so there's no way I wasn't picking this up. Yeah, so I uh, loved it. I. I was um, looking for new books to to read, um, so I picked up. I think I picked up volume one, volume one at that time. The whole thing was out, and yeah, I just fell in love with it. Oh, you were and locked I, in. I, I I was locked in. I had uh, luck, luckily for me when I read it, there were five volumes out. Nice. And I think I crushed them in one month. All five of them. Oh yeah. I was just reading every night, multiple issues every night, and I couldn't stop. So. And you were texting me throughout them. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and just like no, trying to find out where I stopped reading so you yeah. wouldn't spoil it for me um, because I did end up stopping midway in this one because this is actually one that I didn't pick up in trades. I was buying the single issues. Right. And um, the single issue game uh, is something I had to drop a couple of years ago because I was going to comic book shop every Wednesday and dropping over $100 every time. Yeah, you were getting so too many of the single issues. I was issues. getting too many of the single issues. And when it came to cutting back, I made my list of cutbacks and I was still at a hundred dollars. So yeah. <laughs> like I, I couldn't drop anything. I'm in love with too many of these comics. So, so your list, your list of cutbacks was just empty. Uh, yeah. You're like, um, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'm going to cut back on, it looks like nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, this, uh, this book is published by image comics. It was released January 22nd on 2014 and it's, it's still running. It's an ongoing book. And I think they're on volume. I think volume seven just got released. Cool. Uh, like you mentioned, it's written by Rick Remender, and the art is done by a gentleman named Wesley Craig. Ooh. So Wesley, Wesley, ooh, Wesley is what a guy. Uh, Wesley's good. Yeah, Wesley's good. So, Volume One is titled Reagan Youth. It's January 1987, and we're in San Francisco. Okay. Now, the first thing I notice in this book is the amazing use of color that Wesley's working with here. Yeah. The first page, it's full of purples. Um, second page is full of blues. Third page is all beige. Now I really respect when I see deliberate use of color like this in a book because color is one of those things that gets, it's usually more on like a subconscious level compared to the pictures and the words that you're, you're seeing and reading, but it's equally as important as any of those, but your brain just kind of doesn't really interpret a lot. So, we meet Marcus Aguelo. Yeah. He's a homeless boy. He is. It's sad. It is sad. He's 14 years old. Um, We're listening to this internal monologue from him as he's writing in his journal. And we see months pass as he's trying to survive on the street. He's asleep on the concrete. Like, he's got no covers or anything he's just lying on the on the sidewalk and no no one's giving him any money no two guys who are talking about placing some 500 hundred dollar bet that's like just a throwaway bet that no one like only the one guy could possibly win um they walk right by him and don't give him any any money at all they say sorry don't have any yeah that's right now he well as as we see him lying on the concrete there we go into one of like a dream a dream sequence that he's having in his dream He's walking with his mother and father. He's eating an ice cream cone. He's carrying a balloon. It's like the sweetest thing. It they're seems like, nice. They're like on the pier. Yeah. It's like this super nice moment. He's maybe six or seven. And then we hear him narrating that Reagan had cut funding to the U.S. mental health facilities, releasing hundreds of mentally ill onto the streets. And at that same moment, we get to see one of them falling off a bridge and landing on Marcus's mother and father, killing them in front of him. This is insane. It's insane and like so startling and disturbing. We're a couple pages in here, and this is what we're, no pun intended, this is, this is what hits us. Right? Yeah, you're, you are not expecting that this is the way his parents died, and this is why he's on the street and an orphan. Yeah, it was horrific. It totally. The page layout is fantastic, though. The way that they break down the, the story on the page... Page layouts, uh, off big, the charts, off the charts, off on the charts, yeah. like really well done. Definitely there. And we're going to get into some of them yeah, later. We the are for sure. Are fantastic. Yeah, we definitely are. Now 
what we also see here is is in Marcus's narration, you can tell he's way more mature than a normal 14-year-old boy. He's like he seems like he's mid twenties, like with the, his commentary and what what he's talking about. I mean, I read this, and you telling me now that he was fourteen, I'm shocked. Yeah, it d- does not seem like it, a fourteen does, year old boy. I, like, yeah, it, I, I did not even register that he was that young. Yeah, so he wakes up from his dream because he's being robbed by a bum. Now the bum's already taken his his backpack and is in the process of taking his shoes off, and Marcus fights back, but ends up showing compassion seeing that this guy doesn't even have shoes and he gives him his shoes. He yeah. just, he wants his backpack back so he can get his journal. Yeah. Basically. But let's, him. let's the guy have his shoes. It's the save the cat moment. Remember save the cat? Yeah. Well, I don't, I, I, I remember <laughs> saying that I would never save a cat <laughs> right. from a so tree. It doesn't have to be a cat, Tim. It's just your main character doing something that he doesn't have to do to show you that he's a hero. So boom, right away. Okay. Marcus, save the cat moment gives, gives the, the bum his shoe. Perfect. Great. I like this guy. I'm on board. Yeah. Right. We see he's a good guy. Yeah. I think it's a very important moment. It is. It is an important moment. So a few months pass. It's August now. Yeah. He's homeless for a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Months and months book. and months. months and, and, and we don't know months. how long he's been homeless before this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's homeless. Homeless for a while. Anyways, it's it's August and Marcus, he basically sees no reason to continue on living this broken life that he's living. He goes to an edge of a bridge and he says he doesn't believe in God, but also that he's a fucking hypocrite. When things get bad enough, he prays for help and that tonight things are bad and he needs help. Yeah. He leans forward, but he's grabbed from behind by a girl. Just a very human moment for him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because he's going to do it. He realizes he needs help, but he can't stop himself, but he doesn't want to really do it. Yeah. And- just, just, I don't know if you know this, but I can't really remember. Is he over water? Yeah, he's over the water. Okay. So it's, I was thinking maybe he, maybe he didn't fully commit to it because of the way his parents died and he thought maybe he might affect someone else. But if he's over mm-hmm. the water, he's then, over the water. Okay. No, he was doing it. Like he stepped off. Yeah. He right? was going for it. Yeah, yeah. He was going. Okay. This girl says, don't. She kind of whispers it. Yeah. And then he hears a quote from his father in his head. And it says, this isn't a dress rehearsal, Marcus. You only get one turn. Life is a series of unique opportunities. It's our job to find the happiness in each one. And Marcus says, all right, Papa, I'll try it. Fuck, that's good. I'm so, I'm just like, I'm, I'm so in right now. Got chills. Like You can end the podcast right again, here. I think we did like, it. I, yeah. Not only did I get chills the first time, I'm getting chills again. But oh, like, man. this is where... For me, this is where we meet the power of Rick Remender's writing for the first time. Yeah. It's this like exceptionally personal moment that Marcus is having with his father here. I don't really know how you write this stuff. Yeah. Because <laughs> so, if I did, I would probably try to do some of it myself. But yeah, it's, it's so good. It's sort of like it's it's not it's not like a good thing, but it really aids in writing. Rick Remender has had a tough life. Um, yeah, I was gonna get to that. We don't, yeah, we don't down, to... down the line. Not, not that it's a spoiler or anything, but I yeah. was gonna eventually say like in some of the other things that he's writing and I probably will repeat myself when it comes up, but yeah, like you said, you can tell the people writing these things are not just coming up with ideas. These are life experiences that people have gone through and are able to tap into the raw emotion of it and get it down on paper. So if I jumped uh, on your feet there. So again, it's a few months later. 
Marcus is at a Day of the Dead street party outside. And he sees the girl who stopped him on the bridge. Right. That's interesting, hey? It is. It definitely is. She must be following him. Something's going on. So he starts looking for her in the crowd when this dude walks past and says, it's a sting and that he should just run. What's a sting? I don't know. Why should I run? What? Well, this is why you should run because we see a couple of suits with walkie talkies eyeing him down and they order that he's in position and to move in. That's why he's got to run, Dean. Why? But why? Because the suits are moving right, in on exactly. him. Exactly. But like this point in the comic, there's nobody in the world who would put it down at this spot. Oh, I know. Right? No, it's I'm not putting like, it down. I don't know what's going on. There's no part in this book at all that I'm putting it no, down. I, I That's know, like I said before, I couldn't put any of these down. What is going on? Like you just have to read and you're now on board with Marcus and then all of a sudden there's a sting. Yeah. Why? Who? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, one of the dancers who's dressed up on the street blows some sort of dust into the suit's face so they yeah. can't see for a brief moment. Yeah. Fuck and, the suit. Yeah, fuck the suit. Totally. I totally am I'm on board with that. Yeah. And so Marcus is able to get a little bit of a head start. They start chasing him. He Marcus runs into an arcade and they follow him in. Some kid in the arcade slams the door shut in the suit's faces. Yeah, and he was like playing the game yeah. and he was getting like high score going <laughs> and then he's like, ah, he, he sees what's going on. And he's like, ah, shit, I didn't like, I guess I got to do it now. Yeah. Boom, opens the door, slams it in the suit's faces. Yeah. And and Tim, in this, this is like a, another one of the panel things. In this chase, as it's going and going, it's progressively slanting more. I yeah. don't know if you noticed this, but I like, didn't know. it starts like very much on like right angles and then it starts to just slant and slant and slant cool. the more you run and the faster it's going it's like they're moving downhill and they're like really nice. going with it yeah it's nice. awesome. really cool so marcus runs out the back door down the alley and into the girl who stopped him on the bridge she's waiting for him there at the end of the alley on a motorcycle yes it looks cool yeah. yes she tells him to get on Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm down. I'm get in. on. I'm it's awesome. I'm, I'm already on. Yeah, yeah, you're already on. I'm getting on. You're already on. <laughs> yeah. Marcus, Marcus gets on. on. <laughs> the Mar girl's on. But Marcus gets shot in the arm by the cops. The girl tells Marcus to take the wheel. She does a fucking backflip straight off the bike, straight through the windshield of the cop car that's following them, and she goes in hot. She lands sneaker first into the driver's nose. Then she lands in the front seat and is fighting both of these cops until they crash into a pole, but she jumps out of the driver door just in time. Amazing. She, like, holy badass. Unbelievable. And Tim, I'm going to hit you with this. At this point in the comic, the panels slant the other way as if the fight has just turned. Oh, nice. As if they were running and now they have the upper hand. Nice. Amazing. It's, that's amazing. I didn't notice that. Okay, so Marcus flies down the road on the motorcycle. He doesn't know how to drive a motorcycle. Flies no. down the road and wipes out. And uh, he's fucked up, right? You wipe out on a motorcycle and you're going to be fucked up. So oh, he's yeah. hurt and he's been shot too, right? So the cop is still on his tail. The cop catches up with Marcus and is about to shoot him until this girl stabs the cop from behind through the stomach with the sword, killing him. So that's some world building right there, right? Like yeah, I'm these, just, these, I'm just these, a little speechless right now. These but. kids are really talented at fighting and killing, and they're not afraid to kill a cop. Yeah, and is she like a little bit upset about it? You know, she's kind of like, ah, shit. 
Was she? I, I didn't really so. notice. Yeah, I think it was just like, uh, yeah, okay. She's go. she's got an edge to yeah, her, and yeah, yeah. I don't know, like if like if anything really bothers her. But I mean, like it was almost like an inconvenience that she had yeah. to do that. She was just like, ah, all sure. right, probably, done. probably, yeah. So someone puts a bag over Marcus's head so he can't see, and then when they take the bag off, it's the group of kids who helped him escape the police. Yeah, they're all there together in a room, and they're trying to decide what to do with him, and they mention this Master Lin character and how he's never been wrong before uh we quickly get to find out what that's all about because master lin walks in perfect that's good timing i love it he says he wants to train marcus to become one of the greatest assassins in the world alongside others like him wait what he says he wants to train marcus yes to be uh, one of the world's best assassins okay marcus isn't actually convinced that he has what it takes to be a killer, though. And this, right. this girl has to help convince him. Now, she says that she watched him that night that Marcus let the bum take his shoes. Right. And that's the real reason why Master Lin wants him to be a student, was this uh, compassionate act he made. Interesting. So Marcus agrees. Yeah. But now everybody else is against it. Because of his slight hesitation that he had, he said he said he didn't feel like he was up for it. And he's not a killer, so that yeah. just that slight little bit of pushback now has them all off of it. They're like, no, totally. no, no, we, no, no, vouch for yeah, him. we don't, we don't, we don't want him anymore. And it's really, and it, it's really interesting that it's the act of compassion as to why this Master Lin thinks he has what it takes to be a killer, yeah. right? <laughs> to like be to be assassin. an assassin. It's I guess it's because he knows who deserves it, maybe. Maybe right, like uh, what, what could this maybe, act of maybe, compassion? Maybe be? the biggest part of being an assassin is compassion. I don't know. Sounds weird, Tim. I've never been an assassin before. I Me mean, neither. But I feel like that's not like day one of assassin. No, it's just you first. Number one, you got to have compassion. Yeah. Number two, <laughs> number two, you gotta take it at the neck. Yeah. You gotta take the head clean off. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You could be an, a teacher. <laughs> it could be. It could be. I know. So we learn here that that girl's name is Saya. Yeah. Because she vouches for him because no one else is. So she, right. she steps up and vouches for him. So Master Lin says, so be it. His choices are on your head now. So apparently vouching for someone carries a fairly big weight, right? Yeah. Like if this was just some sort of um, uh, baseball tryout or something. And uh, he said, the coach said, okay, well, now his decisions are on your head. I mean, I, I wouldn't be too worried about it. But this is yeah. this is teaching him to be an assassin. Yeah. So now his actions are on her head. I, I think it's her head. I think it's literally, oh, literally her head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not like you're vouching it's for the guy. Like, yeah, no, this guy can play baseball, right? Yeah. He can join the team. Yeah. And then if he doesn't, well, whatever, you kick him off. Yeah. He, yeah. Can, he can seriously turn a double play. Yeah. And then if he doesn't turn the double play, you're not getting killed. That's right. But. Uh, different in this case. Different in this case. So they they all lead Marcus into the school, which is super cool, right? Oh, yes. Um, whatever room they were in, the group of them, like that's like the entrance to it, right? So they, yeah. they just take like one door right close to there and they start going down this spiral staircase. Right. So they're going down. They get down there. They're go- I think they're going through some sewers as well. And then this giant underground area opens up. And it's got like a university campus in this yeah. like giant underground cave. There's multiple like full sized school buildings. It's really cool. It's super cool. It's really, really it's neat. Cool. Now, along the way, they're telling Marcus 
the rules of the school. They say if he reveals the location to the school, he'll be eviscerated in his sleep. Oh, boy. Which I had to look up. It means they're going to disembowel him. Okay. At least it's in his sleep. Well, all that happens is you wake up in agony. Oh, no. That doesn't that's immediately that's kill true. you. Yeah, that's true. You've never been ev- eviscerated never, before, I, Dean? I have never been eviscerated. I am someone coming to this podcast talking about evisceration who has never been eviscerated. So I should watch what I say. I ate something last night that I felt like I, I had been in my t- I had been eviscerated. Yeah, that happens. Sometimes. I'm recovering from that uh, today. Um, but also, there's no unsanctioned killings, no sex, of course, no drugs, okay, no disobedience, okay, and obey your instructors. Interesting. You get the feeling like this is like that comic. Uh, I was comic just gonna book, say that, that Tim. What was that thing? <laughs> the, the, the comic, comic code, code of America. Yeah, the comic code of America. I was just gonna say that. I was gonna say it sounds a lot like. That's that. where they got their rules from. Uh, yeah, and that's the end of issue one, and I am on the train. I can't even believe that's just one issue. I know, it's amazing. Yeah, I wonder, I almost want to go back and watch my video of this. I I think it was issue one, maybe it was issue two, just to see what I said at the time, because, like, this issue's packed with with so much stuff. How long was that video? It's, like, two minutes long or something. Oh, really? Oh, it's quick. It's quick, it's dumb. Don't look it up. I'm looking it up for sure. I'm, I'm taking it down. You you better do that quick then. I know. All right, it's going to be a race. Okay, let's move into issue two. Hey, are you doing it right now? Hey, put your put your phone down. It's oh, gone. Wait, no, it's not. It's put gone. Erase it. Put your phone down. Put your phone down though. For 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 real. Put it down. Okay, issue two. Oh, it just keeps getting better and better. I love it. It's so cool. Master Lin he starts explaining to Marcus that Marcus is going to be a target at the school because most of the people at the school they get enrolled there just based upon privilege. So it's like previous generations, like if your father was enrolled in the school, then you're automatically in, right? Yeah. So it's like some students are third, fourth generation legacy. Now, all of a sudden, you've got this homeless guy who's been accepted. So he's going to be looked upon as like dirt almost, right? Like he's not, he doesn't belong there. And there's characters in this book, Master Lin being one of them, who knows something about Marcus that we don't. Because there's this, there's this air, there's this, there's this feeling that he has done something to be able to be enrolled here. It's not just that he gave his bum his shoes. Something has happened that we don't know about yeah. that that has given him, that has put this target on his back where where he is, he's been this selected student. He's, like you said, he's not just part of the, he's not just part of like being enrolled because of his family. He's actually been plucked because of something he's done. Yeah, they do get into that um, more and more and you get, you get a stronger and stronger feeling that, there is some backstory to him yeah. that um, is got to be pretty interesting. For sure. So Master Lin, we find out that his ancestors were the one who started this school when they were being treated less than cattle. So the school has trained the world's most reputable assassins, but Master Lin has always remembered the true reason they exist, and that is to ensure those at the lowest levels of society have power. Yeah. So that's cool. Fuck the man. So that makes sense why you could bring in Marcus, right? Yeah. You know, he's one sure. of the, kind of the lower levels of society. Definitely. So I mean, he, get him def- some power. he definitely fits fits the bill, right? Like whenever you watch, uh, you know, James Bond or any sort of like show where there's some sort of killer or assassin or what, whatever that's been that's been plucked, 
Um, they're usually like orphans, right? And you're, you just wonder what is the background, right? Where did they, where did they come from? So I like that we see with Marcus, we see him like living on the streets for a bunch and that's why they pluck him because he doesn't have any of those ties. He can do what they need him to do if they train him correctly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a type of person who can disappear, right? Someone who has exactly. Yes. Lives in the shadows. That's right. Yeah. So we get to see inside the school now for the first time and I love it because it's full of, full of clicks. It's it's just, just like high school, school. Yeah, just it, like high school. It's just a high school show right now or a high school comic. Like that's what it is. Yeah. So it's the great. Is it clicks or cliques? I say clicks. Clicks or whatever it is. Clicks or cliques. The first one we meet is the Dixie mob. Yeah. All right. So these look like 1960s bubblegum pop girls. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they don't like Marcus because he's not American. Just yeah. right away. Right away. He's not yeah. American. They don't like him. Hit him with that. So next the Mexicans try to recruit him. Yeah. It looks like. This Maria girl who's part of their crew has a thing for him or is like playing it up just to see if he'll join them. Yeah. But she seems into him for sure. Yeah. she She's yeah. well, she's definitely seems into him, but whether it's genuine or not, we don't know. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Now, Marcus, he goes to his first period class. I love these classes. I love these classes. <laughs> I want to take all these classes. I love these classes. Too. So his first class is <laughs> assassin psychology. <laughs> getting so excited about this world they're creating it's so much fun okay period two beheading period three poison (laughs) i like the teacher's lesson here he says uh in like in the case of like the poison that he's showing at that moment he's like in this case the victim will die in a spectacularly nasty fashion as blood seeps from every orifice this is useful for making a statement (laughs) it's so cool i know i love that he goes to like beheading and beheading teacher is like we got to respect who we're killing. We got to make it clean and painless. Right. And then he goes to poisons and it's like, this is maximum pain. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like if we really want to make a statement here, this is what you do. He's totally. learning the different types of kills he has to That's do. That's right. Yeah. Right. If you really want to respect the person, you just take their head clean off. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> I just, I feel like the book is doing a really good job also of making Marcus feel unwelcome in a new high school. Oh, definitely. Because yeah. this is something that I actually had to do at the same age that he's doing it at. Oh yeah. So, well, when we moved to another city, when we were younger, I was 14. I had to move to a new high school and like deal with all this. Right. Yeah. Now I'm certain that one of the creatives on this book had a similar situation like that. Definitely. Yeah. And like, I just, I feel like they've lived these panels the way that I For feel sure. like I've lived them as well. Now, I mean, obviously they're not living the murderous panels, right? They're, mur- they're, they're, they're living the panels of like being in high school and stuff like that. But yeah. um, it's, it's again, these real life moments that happen to people that I'm able to connect with. That's why it feels so real in those moments. It's, it's like he goes into a school and he has to first just see what types of clicks there are just to know and then he's got to actually take classes so you can't just think about that you right. can't just think about what group you're going to fit in with but as you're in those classes you're also judging who says what and who you can fit in with right um so yeah it feels very much like you are going to a new school and you got to figure it out yeah you don't know people and it's almost like the first person that talks to you it's like i guess that's my friend yeah and i'll see what he's into or she's into and, and then i'll go with that yeah yeah, so I'm just waiting for the first fight he gets into here because you know totally. he's already a target. You know it just happens. Yeah, and it's going to happen more than a, a high school for assassins. Right? Yeah, because well, that's the thing. Like high school sucks in general, but it's like every he says it as he walks in. Every single person here is trying to be tough. Yeah, it's like you're going to a high school where every one of the people thinks they're the top. Right. Like sometimes you go to high school and it's you know there's the clicks, but not everyone thinks they're the top. For sure. Yeah. So Marcus. 
he's going now to look for his group, which he calls the antisocial type. Mm-hmm. So he says they usually hang out at the back of the school. So he heads back there and he does find a group hanging out there. They're talking about, <laughs> I love this. They're talking about taking out an audience at a John Hughes movie. Yeah. <laughs> so they're just they're kind of plotting to murder a whole audience. The conversations they have at this school are hilarious. Yeah. I mean, like, because they're at an assassin school, yeah. like that's what they're learning to do. This is, this part reminded me a lot of, I don't know if you've seen Freaks, Freaks and Geeks. Uh, yes, I have. Okay, I have so it that, reminds yeah. me a lot of like the smokers group. Like, there's always this smokers yeah. group that there's an area there. I get there used to be in high school an area where people who smoked could go and do that, and that's where you find all the you know the freaks. Yeah, and who's that girl who... in Freaks and Geeks? She's like a famous actress. Yeah, don't know. I, I... Oh, Alex is gonna kill us right I now. I can see Alex her face. Loves this girl. Yeah. yeah anyways, whatever. Um. You can, uh, if you come up with it, you can let us know. They, uh, put up on your phone. Put up on your phone. Stop deleting your YouTube channel and pull that up. And... <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So they invite Marcus to smoke their jazz cigarettes with them. <laughs> <laughs> it's The cigarettes are full of jazz. You ever... Linda Cardellini. Okay, is that her name? Can I see her picture? Yeah, yeah, Linda, Linda Cardellini. She's a looker, hey? Sorry, everyone. Sorry, Alex. She's great. I, I like her. She's great. I yeah. like her a lot, too. Um, you know what's good? A a good jazz cigarette. Hey, it's my favorite type of of cigarette. Yeah, it's like <laughs> me you too. just you don't know where it's going. It's kind of making itself up as it goes. Yeah, you know, just a nice jazz. Do you want cigarette. some of it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna improvise with this. So, uh, he does want some. By the way, he has some. Uh, this group, they've heard of him. They've heard of him. they've heard of him. So he's got a reputation already. Marcus has a reputation. Yeah, but they think he looks like a pussy. They say. <laughs> so. Um, but we, we learned that Marcus really wants to kill Ronald Reagan here because he holds Ronald Reagan directly responsible for his parents' death. Like this is, this is quite a link that it's, he's making. It's here. really, um, it's re- a really interesting, funny, uh, yeah. Yeah. If you think this is ridiculous, like so does everybody else that he's talking to right now. Like right. They, they, they just think he's ridiculous that his idea is that he wants to kill Ronald Reagan because of. The way his parents died, he blames Ronald Reagan for that. Right. I started to think, like, this is really interesting. Like, this guy's got, he's got it out to kill Ronald Reagan, who's the president at the time in this book. Mm-hmm. I started to think, like, is Master Lin wanting to use him as a tool to take out the president? That's where my mind started to go with this. Like, is he going to try to, is this going to turn into like a political thing and they try to take out the president yeah because i think master lin for sure knows what his desire is in this yeah. moment so yeah. maybe anyway i just i just thought of that i, I like that i like that so period five hand to hand to hand combat oh that's with master zane that's like english it's like english <laughs> yeah. class you know that's hand to hand combat yeah. everybody's got to take it <laughs> it's not an elective it's you like gi- do, yeah. just gym class yeah you can just one you can breeze through. Um, but no, but Master Zane, he's looking for an opponent. And he chooses Marcus. And Marcus gets his ass kicked. Yeah, because you know what? Marcus isn't a pussy like they said he was. So he no? steps up. Well, because... We didn't step up. He got chosen. But he agreed. He did agree. He agreed to fight. That's right. Yeah. Now, we meet a couple of important characters here. We, we, we meet Victor and Shabnam. Yeah. Victor is the biggest kid in school. He is very big and muscular. Yeah, the like the biggest drawn Russian dude you could ever imagine. His father, we're told, was Stalin's top assassin. 
and Shabnam is the classic geek nerd. Yeah. Right? <laughs> they even got geek nerds at Assassin's <laughs> yes, School. That's, that's He's right. a classic geek that's nerd. Right. They cover all of the cl- the clicks. It's it's a it's For wonderful. Sure. It's like, wonderful. Like he's if they're if they're putting I mean, they've already put this to a show, but I mean if they're putting it to a movie, like he's Seth Rogen. Right? Like Yeah, he's, yeah, totally. He's totally. Seth Rogen as an assassin. Yeah. Yeah. So Shabnam here, he makes a comment that gets Victor chosen next to fight Master Zane. Now, I really would have liked to have seen what happens here, but they don't show it. No, they cut away. They cut away to after class. We see Victor and his goons in the shower attacking Shabnam because they did not like. I'm assuming that Victor got his ass beat as well and was embarrassed by it. Yeah. And now they're trying to get Shabnam back. This part upset me, Tim. Which part? This part in the shower upset me. Um, yeah, it was a little bit upsetting. I don't like when the big kids pick on the little kids. Right. Especially when both are naked. Right. And they're talking about like how small his peepee is and it stuff upsets like that, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. The nerdy kids it's always have the yeah. little peepees. Yeah. The nerdy kids always have the little peepees. Yeah, it's true. It's just because the big kids, you know, they just dress they, it up first. They have the bigger peepees. They, no, they dress it up first. Oh, what do you mean they dress it up? They, 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 they give a little fluff on They have a warm a warm get, shower? They get a little warm shower before they go in there. They let every... They, they cheat. They cheat wow. about it. You have all the all the secrets, hey, Dean? I got all the secrets. I went to assassin school. Okay. I was the little pee-pee kid. Good to know. That's good to know. You're one of the nerds. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, that's fun. That's fun shower talk. I kind of thought we were just going to breeze over that, but no. We, <laughs> you know what? I we actually too. dug into it a little bit. I thought we were just going to skip over that scene, but then you brought it up and I just couldn't, couldn't contain myself. Uh, okay. So Marcus comes in to help. Now in the drawing here, Victor is clearly three or four times the size of Marcus, but Marcus, he's standing up to him. He's like a little Wolverine. Right? Yeah. He does a really good job of making himself look hard as nails. Yeah. Right? Like he's got scars all over his body. For sure. Um, you can tell he's been through it and he's not afraid of Victor at all. Um, and he's not even like putting it on. He's no, just like, he's just, uh, he's like he just got this attitude. Yeah. Like he's been I like, mean, he's been through the hardest stuff already. Right? That he just is, doesn't care. That is the thing. Like his parents were killed right in front of him when he was a kid. Yeah. So, and then he essentially sounds like he lived on the street for most of the rest of his life. At that point, you just don't care. You don't care what people think no. and you don't care like about what happens to you even. Right. He almost stepped off a bridge. He doesn't That's care. right. That's right. Yeah. Um, luckily, Dean, luckily, the situation is diffused when Shabnam shits himself. <laughs> Thank goodness for that, right? Yeah. I mean, okay. So like that's, I thought we were going to breeze over that too, but that like, it's a good defense mechanism. It is. Because there's- It, it ended the conversation. There's really bad stuff. That happens in showers when people are picking on other people, right? Right. If you shit yourself, that stuff's not going to happen. It's all over. It ends. It's over. Everybody leaves. It's absolutely over. So Marcus tries to give him the gears for it later, but he's like, whatever, man. Like, it worked. Yeah. So Marcus is walking the halls with Shabnam after that, and some guy drops off, well, some guy in a cloak, he drops off a box with a the bones of a rat in it. Right. This, this says nothing, just gives it to him. Yeah. Now, we don't know what this means yet, but this comes up later in uh, future volumes. So this is a spoiler for this volume. So we're not going to get into it. Okay. I don't even remember what it is. No, I remember what it is, but they don't they don't mention it in okay. the rest of this volume. It's just a, it's like for foreshadowing for the next. I think it's either the next volume or the volume after that. Okay. Yeah. So it's cool. 
Shabnam gives Marcus the rundown of all the cliques in the school. And we get this great page with six panels showing each of the cliques. Yeah. Now, this isn't all the cliques, but it's uh, it's like some of the main ones. Now, each of the cliques, it's like they have an affiliation to them. Like the way that I was reading it was who are their parents? Basically, What, what kind yeah. of organization are their parents in that allowed them to get in here? Yeah. So we have the preps. Now, these are like children of the CIA, FBI, okay? the Dixie mob. It's so funny. Yeah. The Dixie mob from the redneck, from the redneck Nazis. It says the Soto Vatos. That's the cartel, the Jersey Kings. They control the drugs in the school. Final World Order. They're the gangbangers. And the Kurokai Syndicate, the Japanese gangsters led by Seiya. Right. So number one. Cool. I love this breakdown. It's fun. Number two, there's a lot of fucking violence in the world. Yeah. Scares me a little bit. You're scared, hey? A little bit. When you started to read those, I was a little scared. Everything's safe here while we're podcasting. Okay. It's okay. Everything's safe up in in Canada. Yeah. We don't got any of those. uh, those, those No, we just have to. Bad organizations, right? We just have to worry about the massive weather we have up here. That's a killer. You did some. Now, the weather is trying to kill us. Isn't sh- that weird? <laughs> There's a lot of shoveling. Going I have a lot. I, I talk this episode. I talk about the weather often, and I think it's weird that the weather is trying to kill us. Yeah. Like if you think about it. Yeah. You can carry on. It's if too this, much of a tangent. If this but was like, a, a high school in Canada, the cl- the clicks would be like the weather. Yeah. It would be the like mosquitoes. Yeah. <laughs> would be one of them. Right. Mosquitoes for sure. The yeah. taxes oh, would be another yeah, one. Of the yeah, group definitely. who represent the taxes. Definitely. What else? I think you're on to something here, Tim. I think you have a book started right now. Maybe. Yeah. Part of a book. I have an idea. I need Rick Remender's help, though. Definitely. And maybe some of his drugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like he's got a few of those. Well, those are easier to come by than his writing prowess. Probably, yeah. Now we're on to period seven. Advanced placement, black arts. Oh, cool. Now, in this class, this is the first class where they get a homework assignment. Cool, hey? Yes. What could first, that be? First day, homework assignment. Great. What's what it going to be? Yeah, it's it's going to be like uh, write. A, I don't know. Probably write like a paragraph about what you want to be when you uh, when you get out of high school. Right. Yeah. Like that, that, right? that could be it. It could be like ask your parents about the first assignment they had to do in school. See yeah. if they remember that and write. Something or write about, about like yeah. um, someone who's influenced you. But no, what they need to do is they need to kill a vagrant who's earned death by his actions. Interesting. Yeah. I don't remember doing this in high school. Uh, I didn't do that. I, th- I must have been sick that day. I, I, was I, definitely I skipped sick that a lot day. of high school, right, so right. I probably skipped this one. Marcus pairs up with Willie. He's he's one of the ones from the Final World Order gangbangers. So we step away from the school and from the kids to a different kind of scenario in this book. We have a cop who's responding to a noise disturbance and signs of a break-in at a farm. The officer goes in and he hears a he hears a sheep or goat making um like Tim, skip it, skip loud it, skip and it. disturbing noises, I Tim, guess. Pat, we're past this part. No, no, no. We don't want to do that. I don't this. know if we can skip this. So the officer goes into the barn and sees a dude in the barn with a goat. Now, we don't know this guy's name, but we can most safely call him Goatfucker. Yeah, we can right? do that, Tim. And we can we can assume that this goat has not consented to what's happening right now. No, 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 has not. But Tim. Yeah? You did skip 
where he was introduced earlier. The boys. It's boys, a boys home? Yeah, boys, boys home. home? Yeah. He was sitting and he was making what seemed to be like a bomb or something. Oh, I missed this. Yeah, at the beginning of the second issue. He's oh, like making okay. a bomb or something. Okay. And this guy, this guy him. is lying behind him and has his hands down his pants while he's watching a dog show. Right. He likes the animals. He likes the animals. So we assume at this point that this guy is the same guy that was in Marcus's boy's home. Okay. I missed that. Thanks for pointing that out. And it's important also for Marcus because he was constructing some sort of bomb looking thing. Sure. So like we we were, we had questions about where he, where his like uh, rep comes from. So it could be something like this. Right. Yeah, of course. So Goatfucker, he pulls this rope (laughs) (laughs) and Annette, Annette Bricks falls on the officer. And the officer is down and out, but he's conscious. Yeah. Now this guy, this guy is looking for Marcus. Apparently, Marcus caused a fire at the boys' home years mm. earlier. Okay. And this guy's not happy about it. He's not happy about it. And this is why we get a full page of what this guy looks like, and he is fucking ugly. Well, his face is messed up. He is his like face. Something has, been has happened to burnt, his face, yeah. and he's got cuts. I think his nose is missing. Yeah. It's very uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, it's very uncomfortable. Uh, that's the end of issue two. Okay. So issue three. So you were actually right on there. You were like, I think in issue two, we get to see uh, him at the boys' home. So that was probably right at that point. It was we right at the beginning. Just talking about it. Yeah. Oh, at yeah. the beginning, you it said. It was the okay. beginning of that, um, of that issue. And then this was at the end. It kind of bookended them. Gotcha. So issue three, Marcus and Willie are bonding. We get a glimpse into Marcus here. He says he has anxiety, and when he's around people, he obsessively overanalyzes every interaction to see where it went wrong or who he offended. This is so strange because he's he's a kid who's in an assassin school, yet I relate to him so much because of the things that are going on in his inner monologue, which I think is something that Rick Remender does really well. So at this point, I'm thinking, yeah, I also obsessively go over all my interactions in the day and try to think if I offended anyone, try to think if everyone was okay with what I said, if they think I'm cool. Like, I'm always thinking about what other people have to say. Marcus is kind of this guy who doesn't want all the attention on him, but also has to please everybody. Yeah. Sorry, I was not listening to anything that you just said there. You should play, you should play back the tapes because it was sorry. really fucking good. I I'm sure, I was looking for a page to pull up because I want to read a quote. Right, I, I'm do sorry. your thing. Do your thing, Tim. Good. Go for it. The listeners. Just pouring out my heart to the I'm, listeners. I'm just, that's fine. The look on your face made it seem like what you just said was really good. Yeah, you looked at me with a I'll blank give, stare and you said, I'll give you yeah, that. for sure. Sorry. Do you want to repeat it or nope, should I just not at all? To... Nope. Okay. Your thing. What's your important thing? I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was trying to find a page here. I just, I want to read some of the writing in the book okay. here. Let's do it. It's at this point where Marcus, I feel so bad now. <laughs> it's at this point where Marcus and Willie are kind of on their way out to kill a vagrant. Oh yeah. This part's really good. They're yeah. bonding a little bit. So I'm going to, um, there's just one page here. I'm going to read, uh, some of it and i'm gonna leave some of it out because it's not quite appropriate but not appropriate you called someone goat fucker (laughs) what's not appropriate it's it's worse than that (laughs) okay this is a mature comic dean okay um so marcus he's got his headphones on and willie pulls them off and he says uh yo what are you listening to and marcus says the smiths 
you know, the Smiths. I know the Smiths. Yeah. yeah. So he's like, oh man, that that's depressing shit. He's right. Yeah. He's, he says, he says, you mean brave and honest? Oh. Marcus says, you mean brave and honest? And Willie says, whining over a guitar ain't brave. And Marcus says, I don't know. It's hard to express honest emotion and to be fearless about sadness. He says, most people walk around hiding it as if it's a weakness, acting tough as if they can fool people into seeing them as something they aren't. It's braver to be honest than to pretend. Marcus says, acting hard, what good is that? And Willie says, reputation. He says, you ain't got a rep. People see you as weak and they come at you. And then Marcus says, let them. Better to expose your ankles and see which snake bites. Mm. I love that. I love that's, that, that's, yeah. that's the type of like deep intellectual writing we're getting in this book about kids like becoming assassins and trying to murder each other it's like this really interesting juxtaposition of where when you if you were to start this book out or or hear a little bit about what this book is about you would never think that this type of writing would be in it yeah true this real sensitive thoughtful but really really excellent and well done um like storytelling for sure and it shows you that your main character is very smart he's a guy that came from the street who lost his parents young but he knows like he knows what other people are like and so he thinks it's better to like he says expose his ankles and see who comes for that see who needs to bite first because who doesn't maybe he can trust and who does he's got to watch out for so it's better to know your enemy than just try to be pleasing everybody and just be friends with everybody, which, again, something he's talking about. But in his monologue, inner monologue, when he goes, he does want to please everybody. He does want to just everyone to like him. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just I, I connect a lot with Marcus, which is kind of strange because nothing about his life really connects with my life. Right. But just. When he has those moments and he's thinking, it's like, yeah, that's how my brain works too. Well, like he's a vulnerable character too, right? And yeah. It's, uh, it's easy to connect with that. Yeah. There's so many interesting points in the book where you get those sort of human moments. Like we go back to giving the homeless guy the shoes. He's going to be in an assassin school and he's going to be doing things that we might not be able to relate to because we can't think of killing somebody right but like there's all these moments that tie you back into him where you're like oh yeah marcus is like me yeah he's just in a more extreme situation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so back to marcus and willie marcus says he knows where uh where they can find a vagrant um there's a homeless hangout that he he knows of and they go there and this guy that he's talking to he tells marcus that a monster with no face came through earlier and that he knows bad energy he knows the face of Satan. Good. So Yeah, that's a good description. Yeah, it, it pretty much is. He had no face. But Marcus asks this um, this guy about another vagrant that this guy used to tell Marcus stories about. Now, apparently this dude has done some real evil shit. So Marcus has kind of targeted him, but um, wants to find out where he is. So he gets the info he wants. Him and Willie head out to where this guy is supposed to be. And they find it. They find his tent. But this guy hears them coming and he jumps out and it's actually the guy who Marcus gave the shoes to. Mm-hmm. So Willie pulls a gun on him and the dude starts running away. And we get a really cool page here showing Willie's inability to pull the trigger on this guy as he's running away. 
it's like panel for panel yeah this guy running and getting further and further away and willie struggling more and more and more to pull the trigger but he can't but why can't he he's a hardcore killer i'll tell you why it's because willie tells marcus that he's no killer he tells him a story about how he's a fraud and he's never killed anybody before right someone came in and killed a bunch of people to save him and then gave him the gun yeah, to, to make him look to, uh, give, to give him, him a rep. the rep. Yeah, because but... he was talking so much about the rep before, right? Yeah. Mm. And and how that's so important to what people think about you, and he does believe that because that's what he was taught. And he says his father never wanted this type of life for him. So, whereas some of the students at the school are meant to be there, this isn't what Willie's father wanted or what Willie wants. Right, but it's I think it's his uncle who comes in and kills the people and gives him the gun. Yeah. It's what. Even though his father didn't want that life for him, this is what will protect the kid. This is what the uncle thinks. This is what will protect Willie if we make it seem like he killed all these people when he was just a kid. So Marcus and Willie go back to hang out with the this this vagrant who gave them the information earlier. So they chill out for a bit. They eat some canned beans. And then this bum says he ain't got shit going on for him. Maybe if he had a face like Marcus's, he could have done something. Says he sure ain't no pretty boy like Marcus. Now, for some reason, this sparks a memory for Marcus. And we don't get to see what that is. But I imagine it's some sort of scenario at the boys' home where he was probably molested. Right. I forgot about this. So it, it doesn't just spark a memory, but it flips a switch. Yeah. And Marcus picks up a bar and clubs this dude upside the head. Right. And But before, like, while this dude is talking, while this homeless guy is talking... He says that he did some shit. That's right. Right? Yeah. In in Nam was it? I don't remember. I can't remember what war it was. Yeah. I don't know my I don't know my wars that America's been to. Sounds about right. But um he d- he said he did some shit. Yeah. Which is something that Marcus had not heard from him before that. So. Right. So he uh, Marcus kills him. Yeah. Basically. And he looks at Willie and he says they've got nowhere else to go. Now, what I think he meant here was that they only have King's Dominion, both of them. Yeah. Right. They don't have another option here. So they have to pass this assignment because they can't get kicked out of school. Yeah. So he's doing it for for them. Yeah. Right. And that's the end of issue three. Yeah. So issue four. Guess what, Dean? What? I love this issue. Of course. It's great. But right. Like, like this is not where I would expect this issue to go. I had no idea it's it was going great. here. I was so happy it went here. This Locked me into this book long term. For sure. This was yeah. the chapter. I can see that. I can so, see that. So far, I'm on board. I'm having a great time. But when I read this chapter, I am thinking like this book is on another level. Yeah. This is no longer just a really, really great book. This is something else. This is a work of art. This and, is incredible. And this is something I know it's like a little bit off track, but this is something that Rick Remender does. Like he presents his story like it's just a regular story and like it's just you're going to be able to predict where it's going to go and you're going to be able to predict what the next issue starts with and then he flips the switch around issue four or if he's getting a longer story you know issue six or seven he flips the switch on you and then you're guessing and you're so in so what we get here is we have marcus is at a police station giving his statement it looks like so we get a flashback master lynn giving him an f in the vagrant killing but he did it he did it, but he says the guy was a war vet and there were no reports of bad doings. So Marcus gets thrown in solitary confinement for a week. Right. He 
protests because he says he slipped up. He told me that he did some bad shit over there. Yeah. And he was the reason why a village got burnt down. But then Marcus also started to question himself. For whether sure. Whether he was remembering the right things from the right person. For sure. But we just we've already been told that the reason he's brought into the school is because he showed that little compassion. So we know that Marcus is a guy who's going to trust what he thinks in the moment, right? If he thinks the guy's good, he's not going to do it. Yeah. But he felt that that guy slipped up and that guy told him something that he hasn't told anyone before. And that made him, I mean, it made him applicable for the assignment. Yeah. Right. Like, not like he needs to die, but I mean, for their assignment, he was available for them to kill. Yeah. So it's all black and in confinement here. And Saya opens up the door. She says they're going on a road trip. Great. They're breaking him out of solitary confinement. Great. It's amazing. I got such a huge crush on Saya at this point. For sure. Like she's so badass. For sure. And again, we get into sort of, as soon as this book gets really serious, it throws you back into the high school thing. You're like, oh yeah, he's 14. That's right. Yeah. Right. Like a bunch of 14 year olds are going to be like, yeah, we're getting, we're breaking out of here. Let's go. Let's go on a road trip. We're skipping second period. We're skipping second period. It's going to be great. We're going to go to the, we're going to go to the movies. We're going to catch about double feature. You know, it's like, I mean, it's more intense than that, that these kids are going through, but that's, it feels like it's high school. Yeah. So they break, they break out Marcus because Billy Wants to go to Vegas and kill his dad, and he needs help. Right, a little bit different than a double feature at the uh, Cineplex. A little, little bit different. Now, Marcus has a rep as a badass, so they want it. They want to take him as well. So we get Marcus, Willie, Saya, Billy, who we haven't really met, and Maria, all yep. on this road trip. Now, the colors are beautiful so far in this issue. Like, each page has one dominant color, and then it keeps changing from page to page, until at one part... They just start mixing all these colors together in single pages. Oh, yeah. You don't even really notice it happening, but it's fucking amazing. Yeah. And I just want to touch on the colors because I missed it earlier. But these are 80s comics colors. Yeah. Because in the 80s is when, I believe, when Watchmen comes out. And Watchmen is a comic where they kind of flipped the color palette. And that's what's amazing about it. They started using purples. Yeah. And they started using like colors that were mixes. And they weren't just like the red and blue and yellow. Mm-hmm. They weren't just those primary colors. And that's sort of where things start to switch. And that's in the 80s. So to to kind of throw you into the 80s, he uses that kind of color palette yeah. in this book, which yeah. I think is really cool. It is cool. It looks great. Now, it looks like, again, it looks like that Maria is really into Marcus here. They're kind of bonding on the drive. So it turns out they're all going to go to a Grateful Dead concert just outside of Vegas first. So Saya can pick up a bunch of mushrooms and acid to sell back at the school. So they get there. Marcus and Willie go off looking for acid. They find a guy and they buy a sheet for $100. Now, Willie asks if Marcus has done acid before. And Marcus claims to be the acid king. Right. He's the acid king. So he's the first one to take a hit. An hour later, nothing has happened. Now the group is all back together, sitting by a car. A new hippie dude comes over offering to sell them acid. Says he'll give them 10 free hits, and if they like it, they can buy more off of him after. Right. So, Saya takes one, Willie takes one, Maria takes one. Marcus says he's already been burnt today. Says, so fuck your scam drugs, and eats the rest of the sheet. Now, the look on this hippie's face is priceless. Oh, yeah. Like, you know 
100% from the look on his face that what Marcus just did was a terrible yeah, idea. Yeah, that shit's real. He is just so startled. And then he turns around and runs away. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> he just takes off. So the next page after that, we have a header and it says 36 minutes later. And Marcus is hiding under a car. Yeah, this part's <laughs> he great. Won't come out. Yeah, he says digital mountains are coming for him. Yeah, that sounds that sounds sweet, dude. Digital mountains. Digital yeah. mountains. I know, totally. So they they coax, it could be the name of a band or something. It could be digital it, mountains. It, it could be a name of a lot of things. Yeah. It's just it's badass. They they end up coaxing him out from under the car. Right. He says he won't leave the car until the uh, the mountains are gone. That's right. So I guess the mountains <laughs> subsided. I guess they uh, they get him out and they roll into Vegas. Yeah, and. This this whole concert thing is, again, just Marcus, like, doing his tough guy posturing thing, right? If he's heard the word acid before, he's going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm the acid king. Yeah. Right? Like, he hasn't right. taken acid before. He just heard the word. He's yeah. heard. He knows that that's a drug. He's, he's trying so to show he's off. He's trying yeah. to show off. And this is, like, this is so... It's such a good characterization because you can really connect that in high school, you would just like always pretend you knew, knew everything, right? Because right. you just want to be cool. Right. But then it's also like it makes you like kind of grimace because you're like, oh, I was such a, such a jerk or like I was such an idiot, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. I, I, was, I was so dumb in high school that I just like claimed I knew about stuff that I didn't and then I just shoved the whole <laughs> seven acid in my mouth yeah and I mean looking back at it now it, it's um in that way it's probably easier for kids nowadays just having the internet and, and being able to it's true you know have all that information at your fingertips back then if you came to school and someone told you like hey man there's a giant UFO heading towards earth it's going to be here in a month yeah. right you're, you're just like wow so they roll into Vegas and we get the most amazing page of art here showing basically how fucked up Marcus is. They're driving down the strip. This is the most psychedelic page I've seen in any comic book ever. The art gets panel insane. to panel to yeah. panel is different like neon colors of his face, his face changing color, um, all sorts of weird stuff. All of this, I don't know if you noticed, all of the signs, like the Vegas strip signs... The words on them are thoughts that he's thinking. Oh, I didn't I didn't so notice that. One of them says, I can hear the color. That's amazing. Another sign says, Am I going to die? Oh no. Another one says, I'm so fucking high. Another one just says fuck. <laughs> and another one says, I mean really, really high. So it's really, really neat. Like you really uh, you can feel it. Again, what we're dealing with here is someone who knows what it's like to be on acid uh, for and sure is yeah. able to convey that yeah. in an artistic style and to be able to write about it yeah. really really well there's a lot of so, moments here that i think are really hilarious um yeah. because of that it, it like because it's like it, this person must know exactly what exactly it's like. exactly yeah. so unfortunately though maria's boyfriend chico has followed them yeah and he's pissed off um this guy seems rather possessive of of maria yeah but the crew all check into a hotel room and Marcus, he's dropping some fucking awesome quotes here. He says, time was frozen for a million years. None of you noticed, but I lived through it. I didn't like it. I'm not the acid king. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> so good. But Maria, Maria right away, she says, no one expects you to be. <laughs> yeah. She's just like, no one. She's always kind of like no bringing him back down. No one needed you to be like, the acid We didn't king. ask you to be <laughs> You didn't need to pop thing. all those in your mouth. Yeah. You don't like have to prove yourself to us, right? Hilarious. It's so, so funny. The issue ends with Chico cocking his gun and walking into the hotel. Right. And at the same time, 
goat fucker gets off a motorcycle in front of the hotel. There's a lot of shit happening. I'm excited here. Yeah, like, there's, there's a lot of shit happening. They leave you on a good one there. Um, if I was reading that issue to issue, I'd be real jacked up for that next issue. For sure. As I was at this time. Like, yeah. I was always pumped for Deadly Class to come out. Yeah. I think there's a um, nothing but comics podcast that probably doesn't exist anymore, but a podcast I was on where we were going through our favorite, like our top five ongoing comics at the time. And Deadly Class was definitely in it for me. Like yeah. every time this one came out, I was picking it up and reading it first. Yeah. How could you not? Exactly. So issue five starts off the same as um, the previous one in the police station. Now we kind of see here how bad Marcus is tripping. Um, just the words that he's saying in this police station again are all like weird and messed up. And, and, he, and he can't even really remember why he's there. No, he doesn't know so why that's he's why there. he's going through this in his memory because he's trying to figure out why he's at the police station because he's done a lot of shit, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. he killed that... Um, the vagrant? That vagrant. He killed that vagrant before all this happened. So you think he might be there for that, right. but he can't really remember. Yeah, it's a good point. So after we get a page at the police station again... We go back to uh, the hotel room where Marcus and Billy are. Now, the words are all along the right-hand side of the page now. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm curious how you read these pages. Like, when there's this, new- this one's a bit, this a bit different because we've had, we've had words going down the right-hand side before. But what we have here is we have the words going down the right-hand side, which is the narrative. Then we have word bubbles as well on the page, which is the dialogue. So you could either try to go panel, do a panel with uh, the word bubbles, then read uh, a snippet from the narrative, or you could read all the narrative or read all the word bubbles. I'm just curious how you read it. Yeah, I don't know if what my way is right or if any way is right, but what I do is when I hit new art, I go into those panels. When I get to the end, like when I when I cross over and get to the part where the words are, then I read those words. And then as I'll read words on the side of the page until I hit that new art. And then yeah. I go into that. Right. I, that's how I started doing it. And then I um, I moved I moved off and I, I ended up preferring reading the whole narrative first. Oh, okay. The I, entire page. The entire page okay. of narratives. And then I would go back to the art and the dialogue and the art bubbles. How was that? The word bubbles. I, I liked it better. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I felt it worked a little bit better f- for me at least. I will try that. So... I like that style too. And this is sort of the first comic I've seen that in. There's other comics out there that do that a lot now. Um, but yeah. that's sort of the first time I saw it was all those words on one side. I'd never seen that before. Like a margin actually yeah, there and right. like all those words in the margin and then the art. I'd never seen it before that. Yeah. So Marcus is in the room saying things like he says, I have to call my parents, apologize for killing myself, for being such a fuck up. He's so high here. He doesn't even remember his parents are dead. No. It's, and he thinks he's dead. He, apologize he for killing myself. He he's dead. I need to call my parents and apologize for, for, for killing, killing myself. myself. Yeah. Yeah. So Billy says that his dad is in, in the next room. Now that's why they're there. They're there to kill Billy's dad. Right. So he's going to go set the door so they can hear when his dad comes in. So Marcus goes back to watching TV. Then hears a loud pounding on the wall and goes next door to see Billy on his dad's back, choking him with a belt. Now Billy's dad overpowers him, but Marcus smashes him in the side of the head with an ashtray stand. Yeah. Now it's all like real violent um, yeah. and fast. But then we get this scene with 
um, like Billy's dad's like lying dead on the ground and, and Billy is crying and he says, why couldn't you love me? And then there's a panel with his dad laying there and like this five-year-old Billy kind of by his side. And it's a really sad moment. Like, yeah, it really, it really took me aback for a second, just seeing like understanding that Billy really loved his dad, right? Just wanted his dad's approval, but his dad must've been some sort of a monster and just, you know, ruined his life in some way. Yeah. But just amidst everything that's going on to have like a moment like that was, it yeah, was, it, was it was soft and, it, and nice. Totally. Yeah. It was, it was definitely really sad. And you feel like in this moment that like Billy and Marcus just kind of bonded for life right there yeah. because they did it together. Like, so that mm. moment happened with both of them present. Yeah. And Billy's like, it's not like he's regretful at the moment. Like he's no, he's see, like that's what I thought. I it. thought he would lean down to his father and be like, I'm so sorry. What <clears throat> no, have I done? He's like, but still no, mad at him. he's still mad at him. He leaned down and just said like, what? Yeah. Why couldn't you love me? Like yeah. it, it, it was definitely a deep scar for Billy. He didn't. Yeah. He, it, whatever happened, he yeah. felt that pressure and it is, and his father was a monster. But that moment quickly comes to an end when Marcus sees a giant neon clown coming through the door that says, I see you. Of course. Of so course. they try to go back to their room, but the door's locked, right? It's a hotel, self-locking doors. Yeah, he forgot the key. Yeah. Marcus says that he's not going to be able to go down into the casino. Because There's people there. <laughs> well, he says he's starting to peek. Right. It's hilarious. After all this, yeah. he's just starting to peek. That's out what of I was all thinking. I was like, happening. really? Now you're peeking? <laughs> yeah. I feel like you should be coming down at this point. Totally. I love it. But they do go down because uh, Saya has the key, so they have to go down and get it from her. And Marcus is walking through the casino and basically gets called by a Mr. T slot machine that just calls to him. This is just one of my favorite parts. It's it's funny. And it's just like, it's funny in the writing, but it's also like the art and how we read that story. It's like a Mr. T slot machine is just calling him in. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's just playing it. Like yeah, you, you know what happened in between there. You know he was just like, what? Like, should I really go play this? This is this really talking to me? But yeah, boom, cut to him playing that slot machine. Yeah, and he um he wins, and coins just start blasting right. out I of the machine. He, I forgot he won. That's like yeah. oh, like what a heat score, right? <laughs> of course, fourteen-year-old yeah, kid. Yeah. He's, he's on acid, <laughs> and uh, so a security guard comes over and. That's when we see him back at the police station. So it was just casino security that had had caught him. Now, the guard basically says, look, I'm going to let you go, but I'm going to keep the money. When when the guy says it to him, Marcus says, uh, yes, please. Says, yes, yeah. Please. Yeah. He's, uh, you keep the money, I'll go. That That's totally great. fine. Yeah. Because yeah. during that conversation, he also looked at his hands at one point. And they were covered in blood. Yeah. Because at right. this point, he's killed the vagrant and he's killed he's basically killed billy's dad so he's got two deaths on his hands and he sees that um but that was just in his mind his hands weren't actually bloody yeah so marcus is um in the elevator going back up to the room and there's a he's just in there with a couple random guys but he's super paranoid he's worried that he's offending them because he says he smells like armpits ball sack yeah (laughs) so he's acting super weird in there it's really funny he's like how do i talk like how do i talk to people yeah Anyways, he gets off gets off the elevator, knocks on the room door, and he's begging to be let in. He says he, I, he, he can't take it out there anymore. And Maria opens the door, and she is in her black underwear. Yeah, because Maria likes him. Maria likes him. So she pulls him into the room and starts kissing him. Uh, she asks if he's ever been laid on acid, and he says he's never been laid. So the look on his face is perfect, too. He's like so excited. He's like, oh, yeah. laid on acid? I had never even been laid. For this sure, is yeah. great. 
Moments later, though, Chico busts into the room and finds them together. Uh, he immediately starts shooting at Marcus. Yeah. Maria tells Marcus to jump out the window, and Marcus does. He's falling to the ground and has this amazing internal monologue at the it's moment. It's so good. It's so good. He's uh, he's thinking about this love triangle he's found himself in with yes. Saya and Maria. He's, 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 As he's plummeting to the yeah. ground, jumping out of a window. He's thinking that he just about got laid, and that would have been great. But it would have screwed up his chances with Saya. Yeah. And he says, with Saya, he feels a million suns exploding in his chest when he's next to her. And Maria would be settling. And that wouldn't be fair to her. He says, maybe this isn't the right time to think about this. Am I in midair? It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. And then he lands on top of a palm tree. Yeah. Uh, that was such a good one. It was so good. I loved it. The writing was so good that even I almost forget that he's falling at that moment. You just totally. kind of get taken away by by because you actually, even though it's only a few sentences, you start to analyze what's been going on with these two girls so far. And we didn't know he had a crush on Saya. Yeah. Like they haven't told us that. Well, you can kind of get an idea. Like, I mean, I have a crush on Saya, so I imagine other people do as well. But you don't really get that. So you start to think, you're like, oh, that's interesting. They have he has a crush on her and he likes Maria too. And you just yeah. you analyze it all. And for half the book, you've been in his monologue. Like in his internal monologue. So just to have it happen again and be like analyzing what this love triangle might be, you just start thinking about that. And yeah. then you also forget that he's just falling until he says it. Right. It's kind of, yeah, it snaps just brilliant. you out of it. Yeah, right? it's just brilliant writing. Uh, it's great. So Maria and Chico are, they're basically on a, in a full on like fist fight up in the hotel room. Yeah. Um, Chico ends up getting the upper hand for a moment and takes off down to the street uh, after Marcus. Now, Chico catches up to him and jumps on his back and they both crash through the store of a window. The store of a window? The window of a store. I think it's the store of a window. I they think you're right the first time. They both crash through the store of a the window. front window yeah. of the store. <laughs> They're fighting and we get to see like Marcus vision here. There's oh, just, yeah. There's, he's trying to fight, but there's tracers everywhere. So he's seeing like four or five Chicos. Yeah. Chico pulls a knife, slices Marcus. And I like this. Marcus says the cut calms him. Yeah. He's like so used to being in pain that it like centers him. Yeah. And it's like, it's like you said, kind of centers him. Like it's one specific thing that he can concentrate on. Right. Right. Just the pain in his chest is what can kind of sober him up even. Right. Right. Just that shock. Yeah. Uh, so he picks up a piece of glass and slices Chico. Chico gets mad at that, as you would, and starts to really beat the shit out of Marcus here. And the issue ends with Chico basically stomping him on the ground. I don't like Chico. Chico's a badass. Chico sucks. He, he doesn't have any redeeming qualities about I don't, him. I do not like him. No. Issue six. We're there. We're at the end. Yeah, last issue. So the cops burst into the store that Marcus and Chico are in. Good. They can uh, control defuse this it. Let's situation. Let's defuse this yeah. situation, right? Yeah, great. So they pull their guns on Chico. Perfect. Marcus is in the fetal position on the ground. Yes. And they go to cuff Chico. He fights back fucking kills all three cops oh, no. and then shoots the lady behind the till through the head why wouldn't he that's that's he's an asshole you know what that is right what's that to the max that is to that the max. chico's to, to the max to the max chico is to the max meanwhile marcus has a conversation with a chocolate bar that recommends he get the fuck out so he does he actually takes that moment to, you know if a chocolate bar is talking to you you should fucking listen you you can never get bad advice from you a talking chocolate you need to listen bar, if right? a chocolate bar is talking to you 100% so 
all that Chico has to do to go after Marcus is just follow the blood trail. Yeah. Right? So he follows it like maybe a block and a half yeah. to a dumpster and yeah. opens it up and finds Marcus <laughs> hiding in the hiding dumpster. In the dumpster. <laughs> Chico continues oh, no. to beat up Marcus. Yeah. Uh, but Billy, Saya, Maria, and Willie find them. Yeah, he's got friends now. Yeah, he does. They like him. Yeah. Billy tries to talk Chico down and Chico stabs Billy in the stomach. Now, what we learn here is that is kind of why Chico's so pissed off. Now, sounds like his family like saved Maria. Like right. she wasn't in a very good situation when she was younger and Chico's family took her in. And I just, I get the feeling that he has this sense that he owns her. Oh, for sure. Like he, he, like she is his property. Very possessive boyfriend. Very. I mean, air quotes on the boyfriend. Yeah. Um, just possessive male over, over Maria. Yeah. But Maria is kind of countering that with her side of the story that um, they just used her, right? She was their uh, like drug mule yeah. and they just used her to kill people. She doesn't she was feel like, like they saved her and took her in and what would her life be without no, They them? turned her into they, a, a murderer. Yeah, they just used her because she could do things that they couldn't at that time. Yeah. So he doesn't take well to that and he punches her right in the nose. Fucking hate Chico. Yeah, I don't like Chico. Will somebody end this guy? Hopefully. So Willie picks up a gun. Willie's going to end yeah. Chico. Willie can't do it though, but I, I hope he can. Well, he hasn't killed anybody, but I, know. I, I I feel like this this could be it. I honestly, I feel like this is the moment. At this I moment, feel I'm Willie, feeling like this is Willie's, Willie's doing it. He's this is his it redemption done. here. He's going to he's going to get this kill. It's going to be Chico. For sure. He can't bring himself to do it. I know. Um Chico says he's going to kill all of them. Then Maria comes in with her fan and cuts Chico's throat. Yeah. Yes. Maria should be the one. That's a dangerous fan, hey? I guess it's got oh, like yeah. uh, sharp blades on the end or something. Yeah, yeah. And just um, that was it for Chico. So Good. Maria goes over to Marcus and um, he's he says he's having a hard time. And again, he says he's not the Acid King. Uh, but someone he is not the Acid no, King. No, he's not. He's Although... For doing as much as he did, I'd say he's doing a pretty good, pretty damn good job. He's like fighting people. He yeah, killed some I dude. Guess. I don't want on the slot machine. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know about acid, but it seems like he's doing okay on it. Yeah, he's, he's, he's doing done, just He's fine. accomplished a lot of things. Yeah, whilst on acid that made the person who was selling it run away. Yeah, he's doing quite well. He yeah. leapt out a window. Yes, he did. Um, he did a ton. Yeah, he might be the acid king. He in my might opinion, be actually. You're right. So we hear someone clapping, and then we hear someone say. Holy shit, that was amazing. Oh, okay, that who, sounds Who good. comes out from around the corner, Dean? Goatfucker. Goatfucker. Marcus recognizes him. And Goatfucker says he and Marcus used to be bunkmates in the boys' home. Uh, and that they're actually mortal enemies. He grabs Chico and walks off. Yeah. He says, you never know when you'll need a dead body. It weird. <laughs> It's weird. I kind of this guy had is... a really bad feeling about why he wants that dead body. I know it's an unfortunate feeling in my gut. Yes, but that I don't. We don't need to get into no. Now, the five of them are back in the car heading home to Vegas. No, 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 that's not right. The five of them are back in the car heading home from Vegas. From Vegas, yeah, yeah. And we get this deeply meaningful, again, internal dialogue from Marcus. Yeah, and. It's it's Remender, he's touching on this primal nerve and explaining life in a way like I find few people can find words to describe. Right. Now, Marcus is saying how he feels the way he once did as a child. You know, his friend would come over for the weekend. 
He remembers having so much fun, but then all of a sudden it was over. Right. He says, everything was quiet. A sudden drop off from the connection felt moments before. A punctuated ending followed by the involuntary re- reflection that happens when life quickly changes from fast to slow. Fuck me, man. This is like... Totally. This is the way I've felt so many times before. And when you and think... I, just, I didn't know that other people felt that way too. Or like, this isn't something I've ever talked with anybody about. But it's like, how often would that happen? You ha- you have a friend over for a sleepover. It's like, you guys have like, I don't know, 16, 20 hours together. It's so much fun. And then it ends and you're just like, it's like there's this hole. Like everything's, as soon as your friend leaves, it's like it's all quiet and you feel like you're down. Like you're Definitely. depressed. It's over. You like know? you are you're looking forward to this time. Yeah. And you had it. It's like the best time you've ever had. you created these had. great memories and then it's over. Yeah, I know. And it's just, to be able to capture that in words yeah. and fit it in at a place where it works here. For I mean, sure. And like for Marcus, yeah, for Marcus, who's a guy who like was homeless, he didn't have friends really. Yeah. And then he like is going into the school where he seems to be like the target. And then he kind of just fell into this group of friends and yeah. they had a great time yeah. and they bonded. And now they're headed back to the school that he doesn't like a school where he was put in like solitary conf- confinement, right? Like he right. was, he failed his class mm-hmm. and he is not looked upon as succeeding in the, in like at that school. So he's going to yeah. go back to real life, right? And it's like you're on a vacation. Yeah, exactly. But, go but this would life. be like the first group of friends he's ever had. For or sure. The first time he's ever had an experience like this, right? For sure. Love the writing there. Yeah. Um, th- this, this whole like when life changes from fast to slow, that also works with this um, LSD trip that he's on. Right. Like, yeah. That's how that yeah. experience goes as well. It's like, it's super you're it's super intense it 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 um like goes super fast and then all of a sudden when it's done you're just like what the fuck happened like, yeah. it's just like what what did i what just happened but you were mentioning you don't remember a lot from uh elementary school yeah i have this vivid memory and i've had my whole life okay and i swear i was in kindergarten i was at, in the bathroom i was going to take a pee and at that time it was like the full like um life-size urinal oh yeah for like a child you yeah, don't really have them anymore the it's like yeah. floor to like maybe three and a half feet up and i re- remember going over to it and i pulled my pants down mm. to the ground and started to pee and there's this dude beside me must have been someone's dad because he was way older i just remember him being this like super cool looking figure he had like long black hair okay he had like a leather jacket on oh cool uh jeans yeah. i remember be- just thinking like that guy is right. the coolest guy i think i've ever seen like, was, it, looked- was it kurt russell it could have been like I- it, it looked like a movie star okay cool, anyways cool. he he looks over to me and yeah. he's like he says you know you don't have to drop your pants all the way to the ground he says you know you can just undo your fly it's really and I was nice just way like, to say that like my mind was blown i yeah, was like for sure holy shit that's true that I don't have to take my pants yeah. all the way. And he taught me how to not take my pants off at the urinal. You're like, I'm going to be a cool fly guy like this guy. Yeah. Like I never forgot yeah. that. Yeah. And then I was like, I always remembered this, this dude for helping sure. me out like that. It's because like, there's moments man. like that. Right? Thanks for like, helping me out. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. I thought you were going to tell a story of kids picking on you for that. So I liked that it had this. No, as in a, a nice this story. This twist of Kurt Russell telling you yeah. how to pee at a urinal. Yeah, exactly. Great. I always appreciated that. Yeah. So if that guy's out there, send us an email. He's a listener. We'll say hello. All right. So that's the end of volume one. And obviously I'm super excited for more. 
Um, Super bummed there's no more to talk about I know, right now. I know. Luck- luckily for me, when I was reading it, I had four more volumes to dig into. Yeah. So I was just like uh, quitting my job. Yeah, I'm for just sure. gonna read my new job is reading Deadly Class. Yes, it's a great job. Um, it doesn't pay very well, but it's more satisfying. Satisfying. Yeah, yeah. So, so I guess we're I guess we're done now, right? Like that's it. We're we done. Can't talk about this anymore. No, well, we're done that for now. Well, there is one more thing. What's that? It's what if. We kind of have to read this like we don't know what comes next, right? Yeah. Let's pretend we've only read the one issue and uh, we don't know what's coming. Tim, I'm going to tell you, I don't really know what comes next. I, I mean, I've I've read probably yeah. into the teens of issues or 20s even, um, but that was years ago and I don't really you. remember. I'm with you. I actually don't remember. Okay. I remember certain moments, but I don't yeah. remember a lot of stuff. So this, this what if actually could be a legit what if like i'm not actually sure what happens with right, my okay. question here so so if it happens to be what happens i think i know but we're sorry but th- yeah anyways my what if is what if chico is still alive so Goldfucker takes his body but what if he's alive okay but what, what happens with that yeah i'm trying to wrap my head around this because i yeah Hate I know Chico. you hate Chico so that's a like lot. The best I hate moment, him too. Best moment of volume one, Chico dying. So that would be a great um, character to bring back because he's so hated, right? Yeah. So you got, you got Goatfucker already as sort of the, huh, it's almost like the mystical villain. Like you don't really know much about him. And you know, he's like, he's got to have connections and be pretty powerful. Like he's every, he's, he's winding up everywhere where you don't want him to be. I thought for sure there was going to be a final encounter there at the end yeah. of that book, but yeah. he just picks up Chico and walks off. So he's very confident. Like he wants to kill Marcus, but he didn't do it when he had the chance. So he's kind of that big villain. Yeah. So I don't think Chico comes back as the big villain. No, I think Chico comes back as in, he just shows up to school. And now oh, this is yeah, someone okay. Marcus has to deal with right. at school. Like, yeah. So it keeps sort of the dynamics in the school of like someone to watch out for there because I don't, I really don't think that Goatfucker is coming close to that school. No, no, right? he'd I get, think, he'd get think, killed if he yeah, came close I to that school. I think Marcus is safe when he's at school. So I actually like having Chico just show come up. back, just show up for semester number two. Yeah, that'd be or cool. Or whatever, because Marcus needs something at the school that he's... That that's a problem, right? Because he's still now he has friends, so he's got people who has have his back. So to kind of create that atmosphere in school where it's like shitty, you would have Chico just reappear. So I like it. I think it can be done. I honestly don't remember if it happens or not, Um, but I think it works. It would work for him to show up at school. Yeah. Yeah, it's no longer he's kind of the big baddie of Volume One, but I don't think he becomes that anymore. But he comes, he becomes like an annoyance. And something that Marcus has to deal with on a daily basis, whereas the big arcs conclude with Goatfucker. Yeah. Stop hitting my computer. I've hit your computer like five times. Why, why are you so animated with I your hands today? I talk with my hands a lot. It's good for a podcast where people can't see you. Yeah. Well, I like that. I think that'd be cool too if he came back to the school. Well, I think that's it for us this week. And we'll catch you all next time.
that's it for another episode. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to drop us a line, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as TalkBackPod, or by email at TalkBackPod at gmail.com. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews will help more people find Talking Back. All right, that's it. We're done. Hey, everybody. I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get.